0: Grace and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Having witnessed the glory of Christ on the mountaintop, we now descend with him into the depths of the valley. Though it is hidden beneath the dust and dirt of Adam, the seed that is sown by the preaching of Christ during Epiphany germinates and begins to emerge seeking the waters of holy baptism and the sunlight of the gospel, even now anticipating the good fruits that are born by the life-giving tree of the cross. And so, during Lent, we intensify our daily drowning in the waters of baptism through contrition and repentance. Lent emphasizes the discipline of the Christian faith and life the ongoing challenge of spiritual warfare with the old evil foe, and the necessary works of love and mercy that characterize the life that Christ lives in us. Yet as we focus on repentance, one of the most common and deadly mistakes for a Christian is to treat Scripture as a guide or a manual. The strong temptation is to open the pages of, pages of Scripture and immediately find ourselves within the story. We are Abraham. We are David. We are Esther. We are Daniel. We are Peter. We are Paul. And even at times, we are Jesus. As we witness the events unfolding in our gospel today, the temptation is to put ourselves in the driver's seat. Jesus is showing us, like any good teacher, how to go head-to-head with the devil and temptation. But such a reading would be a lethal misstep. Indeed, there is something to be learned by Jesus— However, if our primary approach is to play with fire, then we are going to get burned. Instead, we must approach Scripture for what it is. Jesus told the Jews that they studied the Scriptures because they believed that in them they had life. In truth, the Scriptures are a testimony of Jesus. They bear witness to him... That we may have life in him. So, to grasp the significance of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, we must ask ourselves out there in the wilderness, who is Jesus? Matthew gives us a sense that, having heard the proclamation of the Father, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, and still dripping wet from his baptism, The Spirit propels Jesus into this direct conflict with Satan out in the wilderness. For Matthew, the baptism and temptation of Jesus are inseparably linked. So, for the question, who is Jesus out in the wilderness? The answer is rooted in the Father's proclamation that Jesus is his beloved Son. And what is Jesus doing that pleased his father? He was humbling himself to be in the place of sinners. He was being baptized on behalf of the people. In his baptism, Jesus was anointed by the Spirit to champion to be the champion of the people. And out there in the wilderness, that is just who Jesus is. He is the nation of Israel reduced to one. Long ago, through the prophet Moses, God said to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. And long ago, God said through the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew takes notice of how of how in many and various ways Jesus fulfills the prophetic words concerning the Son. As God's Son, Israel was brought out of Egypt and baptized in the Red Sea. Following that was a time of testing and temptation in the wilderness where they would prove what kind of sons they would be. So too, Matthews offers us a profound understanding of Jesus as the one who stands for the many. He was called out of Egypt as a child and baptized in the Jordan and now finds himself in the wilderness for a time of testing and temptation. Jesus is the sum and pinnacle of the Old Testament people of God. He is Israel. He is the Son of God. But why is Jesus the Son of God as Israel out there in the wilderness? Well, as their time of testing and temptation proved, the nation of Israel was a rebellious and a wayward child. They grumbled against God. They refused to trust in his goodness and mercy. And so Jesus is out there, To take their place, Israel needed someone to represent them. Jesus is out there because Israel failed miserably. They made a mess of things. Israel did not live by every word that comes from God's mouth. They were happy to test Him, and at times it seemed all too convenient for them to worship and serve some other God. Israel didn't or Jesus didn't need Israel didn't need an example. They needed a savior. They needed a champion to come and deliver them out of their hopeless desperation. You see Jesus is not out there in the wilderness as an example. He is out there playing cleanup. Jesus wasn't an example for Israel, nor is he an example for you. Now don't get me wrong we do learn from Jesus what a faithful and obedient child of God looks like and we should aspire to be like him but this this desire is the work of the spirit within us however looking to Jesus primarily as an example is no better than searching the scriptures because you think that in them you have life we are no better than Israel We face our testing and temptation, and what kind of child do we prove to be? When we look at Jesus as our example, the faithful and obedient child of God, we quickly learn that we aren't. Do you use your power, vocation, and identity as God's child to try and make life easier? Do you choose the bread that perishes we know that we've, what we've chosen far too often, just as Israel did long ago. But Jesus never demands to be served. He never chooses the path of least resistance. Not once. He feeds upon every word that comes from the Father's mouth. Do you ever question if God's ways are right? Ever ask yourself if God can be trusted? Do you put him to the test? That's a battle we continually lose. But Jesus never doubts. Not even in the garden. He may not desire the cup, but Jesus never doubts the Father's will. Not once. Do you ever deny God through your words or actions? Do you serve anything or anyone other than God? Do you join yourself to those God would have you avoid? We are here today. We are baptized. We do confess Jesus is Lord. And so, yes, we worship the true God. But how often have we taken that first step, or maybe even second or third, toward denying and rejecting God, the God to whom we belong? But Jesus never does. Jesus never does, says, or even thinks anything apart from the Lord his God. The battle against temptation is a battle we cannot fight. Sin, Satan, and death easily overpower us. It is not a battle we can win, even with Jesus as our example. You all confessed it just moments ago, you saying, The old satanic foe has sworn to work us woe. With craft and dreadful might, he arms himself to fight. On earth, he has no equal. No strength of ours can match his might. We would be lost, rejected. But now a champion comes to fight, whom God himself elected. You ask who this may be. The Lord of hosts is he, Christ Jesus, mighty Lord, God's only son adored. He holds the field victorious. Jesus isn't our example. Jesus is our savior. He's our champion. There in the wilderness, Jesus takes up our cause and joins the battle against sin, Satan, and death. And he wins. He wins. He turns the dry place of our failure into an oasis of faithfulness. And this is why we are here, watching the battle that is not for you or me to fight. It's for Jesus. Only he can win. He has won. There in the desert, later in the garden, all the way to the glorious battle on the tree, and then bursting forth from the empty tomb in victory for me, for you, for the whole world. We're watching, all right. But it's not so that we can study his moves to become like Jesus. It's so that we can belong to him. It's so that we can be with him this very day. As the baptized, we say, I'm with him. That's that's what the season of Lent is all about. It's undertaken in the view of the great exodus of Christ that he accomplished in Jerusalem. We share that exodus from death to life with him through holy baptism. Lent thus exemplifies the pilgrimage of life, our ongoing journey through the wilderness on our way to the promised land. This journey can only be accomplished in Jesus. To that end, it fixes our eyes on Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He himself is our great champion against Satan, our great redeemer from sin, death, and hell, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that cleansed with that with cleansed hearts, we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and in truth. So is there nothing here for us? Because we do face our battles every day. Is there nothing here for our struggle? I think there is. And it may, and it may work like this. When that temptation arises for you to stop caring To pull back, to play it safe, here's what you do. You say to that temptation, No thanks, I'm with Jesus. When the temptation comes for you to run after something, someone, some feeling, some whatever that you shouldn't, you face that temptation and say, No thanks, I'm with Jesus. And when the temptation comes for discouragement, to wonder whether it's worth it all, remember the faithfulness of Jesus for you and say, yes, it is worth it, because we are with the faithful one. We are with Jesus. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ, our faithful and victorious champion. Amen.